coming up next on The Breadwinning Mums. If there is one thing that all breadwinning mums can take away, what would that be? Don't try and be everything to everyone else. Welcome to the show. I'm Jane Lim. On the Breadwinning Mums podcast, we debunk the myths of working mums, cheer each other on, and show the world that it's okay to be a mum and still pursue excellence in your chosen area of expertise. Today we're chatting with Elisa Green, a fellow breadwinning mum who is married to her childhood sweetheart, Andrew. They have two children, Charlie and Ella. Alyssa is a regional sales director at Salesforce. She shared with us her journey in leaving Australia to grow, the challenges she faced in conceiving her first child, and how they are able to transition back into Australia during the pandemic. Here we go with Alisa Green. Hi, Alisa. How are you? Very good. Thank you. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's uh, halfway through the week. We have another half to go. Exactly, exactly. As I always say, happy hump day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so you're working from home today? I am, I am. I uh, am working from home usually two, three days a week, but this week I am five days at home. <laughs> Exciting, demanding. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Great. So thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Gosh, where do I start? Um, so I am 37, if that is of any use to anyone. I have two beautiful children. I have a five-year-old boy and an almost three-year-old girl. Mm. I have uh, been with my husband, and people find this both delightful and very obscure all at the same time, since I was 14. So, oh, wow. Yeah, we have now spent more time together than we have apart, which is equally yep lovely as it is, like I said, strange. Um, (laughs) But uh, we actually repatriated back to Australia two years ago now after 10 years in Singapore, Mm. uh, which was initially meant to be an 18-month stint and was there a decade. So, yeah. Wow. That's life for you. It certainly is. It certainly is. Yeah. So, obviously, you've been with uh, your partner for a very long time. How did you... How did you know that he was the one? I mean, 14 was such an early age, right? It is, it is. And it's such a funny one because at the time I didn't really, of course, when you make someone you're 14, you don't think they're the one. Mm. But um, the first time I met his mum, actually, she said to me, oh, he's told me he's going to marry you one day. 
And I, that was just literally within weeks of being, wow. having met for the first time. And I was like, oh, crazy teenage boy. He'll get over Cute. it in no time. Yeah. yeah. But I also <laughs> thought like there's billions of, of girls in the world. He'll find someone else. He just thinks it's his, you know, one love. Um, but I think I actually have realised as I've gotten older that he's the one. I don't know mm. if I necessarily thought he was the one when mm. I was younger or even in my 20s, but since having children and since, you know, moving into a bigger role at work and realising how supportive he is, how encouraging he is and how much belief he has in me, mm. it almost means that we have formed a, a better attachment uh, over time. Yeah, interesting. So you're realising that he's the one after... <laughs> After yes, he became the one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He became the one. <laughs> did you guys meet in high school or how did how did you know each other? Yeah, it was actually a 14th birthday party. We both went <laughs> to single sex schools. Um, yeah. So very, you know, gender exclusive, as they would say. Um, <laughs> but uh, we met at a 14th birthday party, which I believe he wasn't actually invited to. <laughs> and, <laughs> Turned up with a friend uh, and, yeah, just went from there. It was meant to be. (laughs) Okay. And how old were you when you finally got together? When you got married, I meant. Oh, uh, 20, gosh, I don't even know the years. Uh, 26, 25 or 26. Yeah. I have to do maths on my calculator right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Was that a long engagement? Uh, it was 11 months. So oh, okay. we got, yeah, we got engaged on the 19th of May and married on the 9th of April. So you dated for 11 years, engaged for 11 months, and now you've been together for about 11 years again. Exactly. There, yeah. there's my, I've never thought that 11 was my lucky number. I like the number eight. Um, yeah. Very Asian. But, yeah, I am. Yeah. I am. I, uh, Singapore's I got into eight. you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, whenever I used to dance, I used to ask for if I could the number eighty-eight as my yeah. as my number, and then lived. In That's my course. email address. <laughs> okay, there you Love go. It. <laughs> All right. So it was a while then since uh, after you got married um, until you decided that you want to have kids. Did you always yeah. know that you were going to be a mum? Uh, I always knew that I wanted to be a mum. Um, mm. I had a lot of trials and tribulations in my 20s that made me think that I may not have them Mm. um I had polycystic ovaries endometriosis Mm. I then had a that perforated in my ovaries that they thought might have sent one um you know yeah just Mm. basically would leave me with only one ovary to uh produce and we actually then tried for about seven years and had many, many miscarriages. I think it was 10 or 11 before I had Charlie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and just as I gave up and I thought, no, nope, this isn't meant for me. Um, I'll go down the route of adoption. And we were just starting to look at, you know, adoption routes in Singapore. Mm. I fell pregnant with Charlie uh, wow. in, a, in a window that I wasn't meant to fall pregnant because the doctor said I had to give it a six or or nine month um, birth. Break. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, it was a it was a long journey, and then I thought, oh my gosh, Ella will take forever to conceive, and <laughs> within six months, it was like, yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, funny how things turn out, isn't it? And I think really um, 
miscarriage and infertility is something that we don't speak enough of because it's so common. And as we get older as well, we choose to start our career before we decided, you know, to grow our family. It's such a common place. And um, yeah, I wish it's just something that we can encourage each other more of just to keep trying and it'll happen when it happens. It's as cliche as it sounds. Agree. And I think that's why I speak about it as candidly as I can not mm. to make anyone feel awkward on the other end, but mm. I truly believe we don't talk about it enough. Mm. Um, and every time I speak about my experience, I find that I learn something about the other person that I'm speaking to, that they had a similar journey yep. um, at one point or another. So, yep. yeah, it's super important, I think, that we air this as much as possible because quite often it is very emotional and it's very hard when you're sitting in it to go, oh, my God, it's just me. Yeah. Um, there's something wrong with me. And it's yep. like, well, no, it's none of those things. There's so many people that go through all of this, but just no yep. one ever speaks about it openly. It's kind of like natural birth versus C-section and breastfeeding versus formula. It's like mm. this, mm. no, we mm. don't want anyone knowing that I bottle fed my baby or I had a C-section instead of a natural birth. Mm. has zero impact on you and your ability to love and nurture a child. And I think yep. that we need to always get over those you know, societal stigmas. Yeah, stigmas, exactly. So Charlie was an especially wonderful experience then. Were you over the moon the first few months or were you freaking out? Yeah, I was... um... I said to my mom when I when I first started to get really sick, I was like, this is so unjust. I spent so many years trying for a baby and I finally got to a, a good point, but I was so ill. I didn't stop yep. vomiting until I was about 27 weeks. Oh, no. And I'll even uh, my husband still talks about it. I remember, you know, flying and vomiting in like in pop plants at Changi Airport. <laughs> I'm sure the Singapore government will be like, she's never welcome back. That's yeah. a face poster on the most wanted. Chewing gum and vomit. Exactly. <laughs> totally different level. Exactly. Okay. Um, but it was just everywhere I went, everywhere I moved, I was sick. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was very happy. But then I was also like, God, really? Was ha- trying this long not, not enough? Now I have to be sick as well? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you do the IVF route uh, before no, you conceived? No, okay. didn't. Um, it's an interesting one. I mean, I, I actually very early on discussed with Andrew, I didn't really want to go down that route. Mm. Um, I don't know why I don't, I don't have obviously a problem if that's your journey. Mm. Um, mm. So many people I know have gone through that and had the most beautiful, beautiful children. So you've got to do you, um, mm. but it wasn't necessarily something that I wanted, wanted to do myself. And I just thought if IVF is going to cost me, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars to not maybe ever eventuate in my, my child, mm. then I can still be a mother through yep. adoption or through other, other means. Yeah, otherwise, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. that was just kind of how I felt on on that. And so how was the second pregnancy? Uh, not quite as sick for quite as long. So um, I think I stopped vomiting at 17 weeks. Mm. Uh, 
I think I knew what to expect mm. somewhat, even though each experience is some is a little bit different. Mm. Uh, it was it was more tolerable than the first. In what way? I just I just felt like I accepted it a little bit better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I kind of knew what I was in for. I knew I was probably going to be extremely unwell. So even when I stopped vomiting at 17 weeks, I was like, win. And most <laughs> people that I tell that to are like, God, that's horrific. And I'm like, no, no, no. As, as long as 10 weeks like, less. <laughs> exactly. That's a lot. A lot of months I could enjoy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was definitely better, uh, I think, overall. Um, mm. And it was really sweet going through that process with a, a little child and explaining yep. to them, you know, not in too much detail because they don't need that when they're one and a half and two and a half years old, but that he was going to have a sibling and that he'd be able to feed the baby and he would be part of the process. And yeah, that was really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Did you read the, um, the nighttime book about being a brother? I'm going to be the the older brother and this is we what did. we can expect yeah we did. and now they're five and two and they bicker like an old married couple and I'm like really <laughs> <that can> resonate <laughs> yeah at least they'll have each other right <laughs> exactly they'll have someone yeah. to bicker with for life is she more bossy than her big brother wow yeah fruit doesn't fall far from the tree let's just say that <laughs> um every time she you know is telling yeah. us what to do my husband just looks at me and goes oh. <laughs> copy and paste yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will say though conveniently all the negative attributes I get that face and I'm like come on it's so cute <laughs> oh dear yeah mine's the same too the youngest one just runs the house it seems like she tells us what to do yeah. incredible I think it's um I think it's girls and I said I said the other day to one of my friends I was like it's awful to parent but wow it'll serve her well in life <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> at least you know she'll be fine exactly exactly she'll be running the country yeah ready. that's right <laughs> so are you going to have any more are you two and done definitely not I um I know my limits and I said to my sister, who's 10 years younger recently, the only reason I have kept my uterus is in case you need to borrow it, but I will not be having my own. But you'll have it, child. take it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I, I know my limits and two yeah. is it. What about a career? Did you always know that you were going to be a career woman? I don't think if I had gone back to my teenage self, I would have, namely due to a lack of self-belief. Um, but I knew once I had graduated from university and I got into the corporate world and that some of the qualities that you really need to be successful, which is tenacity, resilience, um, drive, I know they're kind of one in the same, uh, empathy and compassion I had all of those qualities and I was like I think I can really make something of myself um, mm. sky's the limit watch me kind of thing but it, it did take I think until I was about 22 23 mm. for me to realize that mm. and then 
since they've gone through a lot of growth, um, realised things that I was good at and not so good at. I think as a first-time manager, I was pretty shocking at a very young age. I just wanted everyone to be a cut-and-paste version of me and why doesn't everyone work? (laughs) Funny that, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, But I will say that was a really great learning. I'm glad it didn't happen when I was 45. I'm glad it happened when I was 25 so yeah. that I could pivot and I could change yeah. and I could really think about the way that I was impacting other people mm. so that now I've almost come full circle. Mm. Still wouldn't say I'm perfect. No one is perfect. That's got areas of growth, but I'm a completely different people leader today than I was, you know, 13 years ago when I first became, mm. you know, a manager of individual contributors. Mm. What happened when you're 22? What was the aha moment for you? Was Did something happen to catalyze that moment or was it more of a gradual understanding? I think it was more of a, a gradual understanding. Um, Realising that I just, I was a very hard worker and I was very, I, I would always listen and watch people that were very successful. So my first job was actually at Meltwater and it's a really hardcore cold calling sales environment. And I remember within two weeks, I thought, this is not for me. <laughs> mm. um, uh, I'm getting rejected everywhere I turn. I'm getting all these like awful reminders of, you know, being bullied at school and all these things. And I sat down with oh, no. my, my new boss and she was like, you can do it. You'd be fantastic at this. Everyone will love you. You've just got to flick a switch and realise that it's not personal. Mm. And I kind of went away and I thought about it and I don't think I made an immediate change, but I just started looking around the room at people that were doing really well and tried to take bits and pieces out of each of them. So I actually had one guy who would be very embarrassed that I'm speaking about him, but um, he now works at Salesforce too in one of our uh, other departments that supports our business. And I remember coming in at about quarter past eight one morning and he always looked like he'd been there since the night before, not in like, (laughs) not in a bad way, like he had nowhere to live, but, you know, he was, he was prospecting and he was looking at companies he could reach out to. And I was like, why do you come in so early? And he goes, New Zealand's been open for two, three hours, obviously, depending on the time of year. And then he was always staying back late. And I was like, why? And he's like, Perth, mate, Perth. Mm. "Mm, Interesting. I'm going to start coming into the office early as well. Mm. And it completely changed the span of how I even approached companies. And having five extra hours to work Mm. in a sales environment made me significantly more successful. And I was prospecting into more organisations and more individuals that I learnt what worked and what didn't work much quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was quite instrumental for me. Um, mm. And just I think, you know, there's one thing that you can't really learn in a work environment that you just kind of grow into authentically and it's as you get older, you just get better at understanding yourself mm. and just evaluating and looking a little bit deeper into what are you doing that you can impact, what can you not impact, and letting part of that go um, 
so I think just as I've gotten older, I've learned to appreciate everything that everyone else can bring and we don't all need to be repeat everything for everyone. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And, and all try and be the same because we're all beautiful in our own right. And, mm. you know, if someone doesn't make a thousand calls a day and I do, that mm. doesn't necessarily mean success either. And what took you to Singapore initially? I actually transferred with Meltwater. So I was there for quite some time and I just really needed a sea change. I worked full time while I was at uni. I had five jobs. It's very non-PC, but people used to call me the little Mexican because I had so many jobs uh, while I was at university, um, which I loved because I earned you know, a a good amount of money for someone of my age. And I never traveled. I took myself probably a little bit too seriously too young because I was so driven and so hyper-focused on money, getting a car, getting property, having savings, Mm. um, that I feel like I missed that part. And so Mm. by about 26, I think we'd been married for a year. Um, I said to Andrew, I've just got to go. I think I've just got to get out of Australia and, and work overseas. I said, if you don't want to come, you don't have to. Um, Wow. We'll make it work. Yep. You were determined. Yeah. (laughs) He was like, no, 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 no. He resigned actually from his job. um, Oh, wow. Okay. And he was like, wherever you go, I'm coming with you. That's awesome. Um, So that was really lovely. Uh, But Mm. the GFC happened and Mm. I'd always wanted to go to the UK and Andrew said to me, he's got a, a British passport as well, but he said to me, I don't think I'll get a job. Marketing um, was just still really hard. So I spoke to a lot of people and I was like, what's better, Hong Kong, Singapore? And they were like, well, Hong Kong's really cool and there's a lot of opportunity there, but it's not English speaking. And I'd had a lot of family friends that I knew had worked there at one point or another. So I was like, that's it. Mine made Singapore. Um And yeah, I was only meant to be there really 18 months, but I ended up leaving Meltwater and going to LinkedIn. And so every time I looked to leave Singapore, I got another fantastic opportunity Mm. at a company I wanted to work for that I never thought would employ me. Mm. And Funny how that just happened. It is, exactly. (laughs) And then 10 years later, I was like, I really should go home now. Um, Yeah. Nice. And what did Andrew do when he first got to Singapore? Did he have a job lined up as well? He did. It actually worked out very strangely. So um, his organisation in Australia had one employee that worked in Singapore Mm -hmm. and some interesting things happened. Um, None that would probably be right for this podcast. Um, Some interesting (laughs) things happened that person and I would have to come back to Australia. Okay. Take it as you will. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And they said to Andrew, we would love for you to take this role. So it was it was quite impeccable timing. Ah. Mm, nice. How did how did the whole uh, move change the dynamic of your relationship? Um, I think it was very challenging. There was parts of our relationship that were definitely pushed to the limits in Singapore. I travelled a lot for three years. I actually worked the Malaysia market um, mm. when I was at LinkedIn. Mm. which I actually loved because I felt like I had the perfect balance of Malaysia and Singapore. Um, Mm. And I went into this 
you know, finding myself and I'm living away from Australia and my career yep. is going quite well. And I probably did push him to the side a little bit um, mm. for a long time, but I'm just very lucky. He's a very patient guy and he's uh, always been very encouraging and very supportive. So it, it is funny because we went over there for my job. And I think interestingly, mine sort of plateaued in Singapore. Mm. I, I worked for fantastic companies that I always wanted to work for, but I didn't go on this steep trajectory that I had hoped. Mm. You know, I probably thought I was going to be um, Lee Kuan Yew by the time I <laughs> left. <laughs> um, and it didn't happen, funnily enough. You need a, a Singapore passport for that. But um, Generations of wealth doesn't hurt either. Exactly, and family connections. I did it all yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I thought I'd go to Singapore and I'd go on this amazing career trajectory. And I think I just kind of yep. plateaued. Um, yep. Whereas he he probably went over with a not so good job, just filling a gap. Mm. And then a couple of years later, got this fantastic opportunity, which then, you know, gave him a couple of promotions and he went up, up a couple of levels. So... Yeah, it's funny how those sorts of things work. And I always say this to him because he thinks that I'm, you know, the career woman and I'm the I'm I'm the one that really re- rules the roost. And while I am the boss, I don't want him to think <laughs> otherwise. Um, he probably did do better in Singapore than than I did, I think, career-wise. Yeah. He, he would have been a brand manager still probably in Australia if he'd stayed here. Um mm. A little bit of short-term pain, but I think a much, a lot more long-term gain. What made it work with you guys during those three years um, when you were traveling back and forth between Singapore and Malaysia, and he felt like he was being put on the sideline? Um, yeah, how did you guys make it happen? Um. Well, I mean, I went back every kind of weekend, obviously, to Singapore. Um, I don't I don't know. I think it was just, you know, uh, realising that we were actually both there for each other and mm. we didn't go over there independently and we needed to be supportive of each other's careers but also where we feel like we fit in each other's lives. Um, That's interesting. And- because that yeah. changes over time as well, right? It does massively. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's on me. I mean, I'm, I just massively took him for granted because it was like, he'll always be there. We've been there forever. We've grown together. And it was like, no, Alyssa, you need to take a step back. He's a really good guy. And you just need to appreciate that he's, done everything to kind of come with you along the journey and now I need to maybe take a step back and think about what his needs are and how I can fit into him a little bit more. Um, life is not a dictatorship. So, um, <laughs> again, all these life learnings, everyone's not here to serve Alyssa. Um, yeah, so I think that, that's been, you know, good for me to, to learn and think about as well. Not that I ever didn't care because I am obviously a caring not obviously, but I am a caring person. I'm not ruthless and heartless, but I think I've just been so ambitious and so tunnel focused yep. sometimes that I've been like, 
no, I just need to get here and this is the next step. Oh, but I'm doing this for us because I want us to save enough for a property and yep. you'll thank me in 10 years. And it's like, yeah, I left him behind rather than take him with me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you focus so much on the long term that you forget about the present and what really matters now. And, you know, exactly. what you do today will actually uh, affect the future. And I think exactly. that's actually something that uh, really driven women can share in common. Um did something happen to make you think how okay what's my role in this and how can I better fit my role in his life or was it just something that you um that you have on the back of your mind continuously uh it's something that I have in the back of my mind continuously but I would say the catalyst was having Charlie Mm -hmm. um just honestly oh I Having a child is so hard. Um, anyone that's been through it, it's more than you ever anticipate. Yes. Um, I always thought, well, I was a fantastic older sister. I'm very yeah. nurturing. I babysat. Um, yeah. I still teach the kids that I babysat. They loved me. Yeah. Yeah. It's completely different. No. Um, mm. There is no break. There is no turn off button. Mm. Um, there is no sleep. <laughs> yeah, there's hormones. There's no sleep. There's in Singapore returning to work in three months, four months. Oh no! Um, I did with Charlie, um, yeah. and he has just been so unbelievably supportive. And it, I do find it a little bit polarizing sometimes because he has been unbelievably supportive and amazing. And that was pivotal for me. Hearing some other horror stories from my friends or, you know, acquaintances about their husbands' lackluster investment in in their children. <laughs> you know, he'd get up in the middle of the night and we would share feeds. Mm. Um, and I had a lot of trouble breastfeeding. So we got to a point where I let that go and he was just mm. bottle fed. Mm. Um, and we, we divided and conquered. Um, yep. and no one still- tells you how much breastfeeding is going to, going to, oh. you know, it's so painful. It's so hard and it takes a toll out of you and it's time consuming. So I don't know. It's just like, no one really prepares you for that or just child rearing in general. No, exactly. And even little things, you know, I like to think I'm of relative intelligence and I didn't go in to having children completely blind, but, you know, I remember having Charlie at, at six, seven weeks and he dropped about 700 grams in weight. And I was like, but I've got so much milk and I don't mm. understand, like I'm pumping, I'm getting mm. a thousand mil a day, like this is crazy. And I remember the mm. doctor going, how much hind milk are you getting out? And I was like, what do you mean hind milk? Mm. I'm not a cow. And he was like, <laughs> the fat milk, it's the fatty stuff. And I was like, yeah. I don't know. And he goes, next time you pump, have a look at basically yeah, the, the layer. Yeah. I was like, this is like yeah. mind-blowing. I didn't know any of <laughs> And yeah. I realised that I just had shit quality milk. Mm. Um, I had lots of it, great hydrator, mm. um, but he wasn't putting on any weight because I didn't have enough fat in my milk mm. and I'm persevering and I'm pumping and I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm like, why is this poor kid losing weight? Yeah. And the doctor was like, look, I really appreciate that you're trying very hard, but you haven't got enough fat in your milk. You're going to have to supplement with formula, whether you like it or not, or he's mm. never going to put on weight. Mm. Um, so yeah, that that's the breastfeeding cluster. Um, yeah. But was that was that devastating for you? Did you take it, it personally, was. like most moms would? Yeah. It was, yeah. and I think just again the stigma 
everyone judges you. Did you try hard enough? Yeah. Are you sure? Like it wasn't just you. And it's like, you know what? Even if it was just me, yeah. if I'm on the brink of having a nervous breakdown or on the mm. brink of depression, which I did feel like I was at that point, yeah. mm. um, I don't need to hear that from yeah. anyone. Describe other women. Mm. And it was never mm. men. Men mm. don't care about the way that you mm. are. Mm. conceive a baby they never ask you oh was that IVF or was that natural mm. was that mm. a sperm donor no one ever asked that was it natural mm. was it c-section it was always other women and I just found that also really hard yeah it's like we're all meant to be here and support each other yeah um, yeah it is a double-edged sword isn't it because um with my mother's group as well we were all there during the infancy till the first at least the first birthday and we trade stories you know when we're up at three o'clock in the morning oh my god my baby's not sleeping or whatever I trade stories but it can be that um I wouldn't say judgmental but um just night comments that you could take wrongly otherwise under the hormones under sleep deprivation it just can come out wrong yeah I agree and I just think and don't get me wrong again I'm not perfect I'm sure I give my unsolicited feedback as well accidentally um <laughs> but I do think when you're a new mum you often just need an ear not a mouth yeah, yeah. like it's just mm. listen to me I don't need mm. your opinion uh <laughs> Yeah, objective or subjective. I just need you to literally listen to me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just realised I was very lucky with Andrew being so supportive and just really helping. And it feels funny saying that because it's like he's an equal par- part parent as I am, but he has just been so supportive. Um, and I've I've realised as well through just the transition of coming back to Australia and and getting the kids, you know, comfortable and happy and building our life again here he really is like 100% my partner in crime and we wholly contribute to each other's lives Hmm. like I I don't know how I would operate in life without him and I like to think that he would think the same about me but we literally we we divide and conquer and we do everything together he is as much a parent as I am Hmm. And that also it means that I can pursue all my hopes and dreams of running the world and yeah. being the next CEO of Salesforce, probably not the next one, probably a couple <laughs> down, but, you know, um, living up to all my life's aspirations as well. Yeah, that's beautiful. Any certain things that you guys do to make it such a beautiful dynamic? Any certain rituals or just weekly things? No, I um, we probably do need to do more of that. We need to find a good regular babysitter firstly. Um, but no, I, I think we just like we have this, we're just very lucky. We have probably just this chemistry and understanding and deep, probably unspoken about, but very deep love and respect for each other. And it just, it works. Like he is absolutely, I don't know why I'm getting so emotional. I never get emotional when I talk about this. Um, <laughs> absolutely my my soulmate. I'm very mm. lucky and mm. just very lucky. I probably met him when I did because, yeah. yeah, it's a lot mm. of years together. Yeah. 
Beautiful. And what brought you back here? Um, oh, I'm going to get more emotional now. Uh, my mother-in-law was very unwell. So, mm. yeah, we ended up coming back to Australia. We were going to come back anyway, but it was definitely a year earlier than what we initially anticipated, mm. um, which I'm very glad we did because she ended up passing away. So, we oh, got, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, we got that extra time with her, which was good. Yeah. Okay. And how is parenting different from Singapore and in here in Sydney? It's really interesting. I, I will say if I said a lot of fucks today, but I'm going to say another one. Um, <laughs> it really, it fucking pisses me off when people are like, oh, you must be really struggling. You would have had so much help over there. Don't get me wrong. I did have, I did have help and I had this amazing, amazing lady who I still speak to weekly, very regularly, actually, Lizzie, who is, definitely my my Filipino sister from another mister Mm. um but you you know I worked like crazy as well so it's not like I sat there on my on my throne and and had someone kind of falling over me and doing everything for me I did loads for the kids you know helped with the washing did the food shopping they all came with us everywhere I went back to full-time work when Charlie was 14 weeks old. Um, wow. So, you know, uh, there's pros and cons everywhere. And I, I mean, didn't have family or anything like that. Um, so there, there's, look, there's been some adjustments, I think, coming back, but it's been a much easier transition than what mm. I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, probably alleviated by the fact that we have had COVID. Mm. and I've been able to work at home. Do they have a Singlish accent? My kids, no. Yeah? Um, okay. And I know that's an awful thing to say. There's a lot I loved about Singapore. Singlish yeah. is not one of them. Yeah. Um, something something with Singlish, right? <laughs> I definitely can see why uh, why the the PM trying to eradicate it um, for so many <laughs> years because it's very strange. But yeah, um, yeah. I, okay. In saying that, when I watched some of the videos played back from Singapore, I actually had a Singlish accent. Really? <laughs> yeah. It the shortcuts, like, I guess. Yeah. The phrases rather than the accent. Totally. And yeah. Canla. <laughs> you know in in the right context it actually feels nice right when you say it, it. Does. it yeah. does and I remember even when I first came back to Australia and I was saying to my mum all the time can she's like yeah. can what <laughs> one of my best friends moved to Hong Kong and she's just yeah recently said that as well on WhatsApp and I'm like I can hear your you know chinglish on I WhatsApp know. <laughs> It's so funny. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, yeah, I, I had a lot of Singaporean friends who I socialised with. So I think it, it probably wore off over time. Yep. And 10 years is, is a long time as well. So mm, mm. yeah, that hasn't stuck <laughs> around, um, which is probably quite lucky. It's not something my husband was particularly fond of. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so what is life for you like now? So you're a, a director at Salesforce? I am. So I'm currently the regional sales director of one of our um, 
actually three verticals for our marketing cloud division. Um, I manage six strategic enterprise AEs and it's, I didn't go, actually go straight into that role. I came back as an individual contributor, uh, but got promoted um, about six months back. So I've got a beautiful team of six uh, strategic AEs who look after some of our biggest enterprise accounts in Australia. And yeah, it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot of mm. hours. My husband says a lot of probably unnecessary conversations, but we'll call them conversations all the same. A lot of meetings. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah. And what's home life for you now? The kids are still, I think, pre-kindy age? Yeah, well, Charlie's still... now in kindy, so he's okay. loving school. Um, mm. He's got a beautiful little bestie, which I think is so sweet. I, I don't know if I ever had a single best friend that I knew was my best friend at school and vice versa. So I mm. love that he has that. Mm. Um, and Ella is preschool. Uh, she's just gone into five days a week. We just moved house about three weeks ago. So I now feel like even though we've been back for almost two years. You've just settled in. I'm finally going to mm. get my feet a little bit more grounded, which is good. Yeah, that's good. And you have the weekend to family now or is the work still quite demanding? Yeah, I, I mean, work is demanding, but I also think we're very lucky now in terms of the nine to five doesn't necessarily exist in its traditional form. And sometimes, you know, we have to take an hour or two hours out during the day and we choose to make that up whenever we see fit. So mm. I'm okay doing some work on the weekend. I'm okay doing some work in the evenings. Mm. What I don't like is when my team messages me at 9.30 at night because I'm like, why are you working? Yeah. <laughs> you, <shouldn't be> <laughs> you should go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I'm okay if I have bits and pieces that I have to get completed. If you could go back to the time when you have decided to go to Singapore or leave Australia and explore yourself, um, knowing what you know now, if you could give yourself one advice, what would that be? Oh, know your worth and be patient. That's very deep. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, great. Yeah. And what's your alpha mom song? Oh, I don't know. I do have something funny with my kids, which everyone will cringe at, um, that I've always, it's not my alpha mom song, but um, I actually sing the single ladies to my kids all the time. <laughs> and where it stems from is... Um, my son loved the video clip when he was yep. very little. And so I would sing it with him and we would oh, do the oh, dance. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, with the hand. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when he was like 18 months old. And so since then, <laughs> I just always sing that song to them when I'm trying to get a laugh. Yeah. They both cringe already. And then two <laughs> and five. Um, so when I sing that to them when they're teens, they'll die from the inside <laughs> out. Um, Oh, Christ, here she goes again. She's just so <laughs> loose. <laughs> At least you have that emotional connection. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. 
Great. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, for being here. Really appreciate you taking the time off your really busy schedule. Um, if there is one thing that all breadwinning mums can take away, what would that be? Oh, I always say this. Sorry, my calendar's going crazy. Um, as I say this ironically, don't try and be everything to everyone else. Thank you so much for listening to Breadwinning Mums. Please subscribe and leave us some feedback so we can continue to make the show better for you. If you know a fellow breadwinning mum, please share the show so we can cheer each other on. Until next time. Bye.